I am continuing to learn to not ever set expectations for a Kairos church. You continue to surprise me every week. I came in already to think about, you know, when we talk about this Mahomes party match off tonight, that I really thought the Tavis Nation would be stronger here. But there's a lot of 49ers situations going on. And so we'll uh, just keep in mind the important part is Usher's playing halftime. So we'll just, <laughs> that's what we really need to hold out for. So that'll be good. That'll be good. As we are um, in our third week, my name is Lindsay Slocum, by the way, if I have not had a chance to meet you, I am delighted to see you and look forward to continue to get to know you. Thank you for being here this morning. This is a special day for us to get to worship together, so good to, to be able to worship. We are working our way through, we've spent, this is our third week, looking at times when God's people in Scripture have entered into a new chapter. As we, Kairos, enter a new chapter together, we're looking at some places in scripture where God's people will do that as well. And what does God have to say to us then? How can we learn from that? We're going to look at the book of Acts today at a, a time when God's people are entering into a new chapter. But before we do that, let's go to God in prayer. Let's pray. Holy God, we give you thanks for this day, for this opportunity to be together, to worship together, to be in your presence. And so now, dear God, we pray that as we turn to your word, that the reading of the word would be your words, that the, the words that are spoken are yours, your words, the words that are heard are your words. And may this encounter with you be so powerful that we cannot walk away unchanged. In your holy name we pray, amen. We're going to look at the end of chapter 2 in the book of Acts. I'm going to start at verse 41 and we'll read through the end of the chapter. I would invite you to listen now for the word of the Lord. So those who, were welcomed, those who welcomed his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 persons were added. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came upon everyone, because wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I think if we're honest with ourselves, we have to admit that the good old days are highly subject to our romanticized memories of what actually happened then. For example, just about a month ago, my youngest, Drew, said to me, Mom, remember that time that I wasn't feeling well? And we set up my own space in the living room. Remember how you set up the TV with my gaming system and the Roku and I just watched movies and you brought me all these snacks and people came to visit me and they brought me presents. Wasn't that just the best? And I looked at my child, my flesh and blood. Truly, I do love this human. I looked at him and I said, that time you didn't feel well. Do you mean the time when you were eight and you broke your collarbone? When you spent hours screaming in pain and agony and I couldn't hardly take it? Do you mean that time? 
Yeah, he says. That was a good time. <laughs> what? It was not a good time. But what he remembered was this lovely time of gifts and treats and movies. The author of the book of Acts, that we just passage that we just read, the author of the book of Acts is Luke, the same guy who wrote the gospel, Luke. And Luke has often been accused by scholars and theologians of doing the same thing that Drew did. That in this passage, that he romanticized the good old days into something that maybe that's not exactly how it went. Certainly, our passage today had lots of superlatives in it because, remember, all believed together and they had all the things in common. It sounds beautiful. And the little, like, maybe Luke was remembering the good old days. But what I want to offer you this morning is that maybe Luke wasn't misremembering or idealizing what was, but maybe what Luke is doing in our passage this morning is offering us the ideal for what's supposed to be. That maybe what Luke has done here is giving us an archetype of what the church was designed for, what God created the church to be. Maybe Luke is showing us the ideal for who we are as a faith community. Let me tell you where we are in the scripture, in the book of Acts. That what's happened here at the beginning of the book of Acts is that we've just had Pentecost. Now, we credit Pentecost for being the birth of the church. This is when the Holy Spirit appears and and the community, this faith community, forms. And what's funny is just saying that sentence gives absolutely no credit to how incredibly insane the Pentecost story is. If you haven't read it, you need to. It totally gives fever dream vibes. It's insane. There's fire and wind and chaos, and at the same time, there's this connectivity of people coming together, but they have no idea what's going on. They're all confused, and so Peter gives this charismatic sermon, and he tells all the people that what's happened is that the Holy Spirit has come. And what's really critical in that sermon is he says the Holy Spirit has come, and it has been poured out on all flesh. The sons and the daughters, the young people, the old people, the men, the women, the people of high stature, the people of no stature. It's an exciting time. It's truly... a a very loud time. Sorry. I have a new microphone. I'm like getting ready for halftime. <laughs> it's truly it's truly an exciting time in the church, not just because there's a new microphone, but also because the Holy Spirit has appeared, right, in the Pentecost. So God has created this beautiful new creation. And so the Holy Spirit has just arrived, and Peter has now preached the sermon, and so all of the people are excited about what's going on. And so then, then Luke says, now that the Holy Spirit is here, this is what's happening. There is this faith community that's coming together, and it's beautiful, and it's wonderful, and we're worshiping together, and we're praying together, that we're breaking bread together. That what I want to offer you is in this passage, what we're seeing is that Luke is telling us this is what it looks like when we come together, when we are a faith community, this is what it's supposed to look like. As a matter of fact, what I want you to know is that this is the very passage that what I've started calling the living room folks came together around. 
that when Beth and Thomas and Daniel gathered a group of people in their living room to think about what does it look like to be a church, this is the passage they read. This is the passage that they prayed over. This is the passage that inspired them to ask questions. What is it supposed to look like when we come together to be the church? What is it we're forming? What is God speaking through this passage and calling us to do? And out of that conversation, Kairos was born. And they continued to pray through that scripture and create this community. And in that praying and in that journeying of, of forming together a community, there were four pieces of this passage that stuck out to them that they think this is important to who we are as a community. The prayer, the fellowship, the study of scripture, the extravagant generosity, these are the four rhythms of what we will live out. My point is that this community has been born out of a desire to faithfully seek after what does it look like to be the church that God calls us to be. And it's so beautiful. This community has been seeking what it means to be faithful to that Acts church from the beginning. And so we hold on to that. We remember who we are and who we've been called to be as we look at this ideal that Luke gives us of what the church is supposed to look like. And when we think about this passage in Acts and how it's perhaps a description of the ideal or the archetype of what the church is, we have to acknowledge that there is another time in scripture when we've been given an archetype, a time that things were ideal, that they were what God designed them to be. Remember, in Genesis, when God created all the things, and scripture tells us that it was good, that God created, and it was good, and this is what things were supposed to look like. And it was good, until it wasn't, until it broke. And from that point in the story on, we've had to acknowledge that we live in a broken world. We live in a world that doesn't look like what God intended for it to look like. Although I don't need to say that out loud, you know that. You live this, we live this, we feel it all the time, over and over again. We're so incredibly aware of the brokenness in our world that how many times have our hearts broken over the state of the things in our very own community? Think about how many people we know and love who have received diagnoses that were devastating. Think about the time that our children have come home talking about bullying, getting bullied at school, or when addiction or mental health has claimed the hearts, the minds, the lives of the people that we love. And holy cow, when you look at the, the larger world, when you think about what's going on in the bigger world and how painful, how painfully broken the world is that we are constantly praying because there's war and there's treacherous conditions for our children because there's storms and devastating disasters that are tearing apart communities. There is more brokenness and awfulness than our, our minds can even handle. We know that the world is broken and we know that we need a God who is about redemption and reconciliation. And so the good news that we see then in Genesis that starts with Genesis and then follows with every single word that comes after that is that from the moment there was brokenness in the world, there was a God constantly redeeming God's people. 
that the people of God now, we find ourselves in this ongoing story of a God who's constantly bringing us back into right relationship, not only with God, but with one another. That God is constantly at work, constantly attending to those things of the world that break our hearts, that break God's heart. And this is good news. And so this is what I want us to notice then in the Acts passage this morning. That Luke tells us how the church is designed to be, right? Like he's giving this ideal of this is what the church is supposed to look like. And he talks about how the people are praying together and how they're worshiping together and how they're breaking bread together, how they're truly having authentic community But what I want to make sure that we see this morning, what I want to make sure that we notice this morning is that the community's worship and praise of God spills over into their actions. It spills over so that they sell all their possessions or the possessions that they need to sell in order to share with anyone who had need. Y'all, as a part of their worship, they're acknowledging the disparity and the brokenness in their world And then, not only do they live out that rhythm of generosity, but they're not generous just for the sake of being generous. It is an extravagant generosity that is a result of their worship and praise that calls them into participation of the work that God is doing in the world. That is a result of their worship together, they are working to move the world closer to a place where all are cared for, where all are loved, where all are shown honor and dignity, that the community of faith in Acts joined in with the work God was doing to create a space that is generous and just for everyone. And this, this is who God's calling us to be. This is who we are as a church. This is who we are as a community, as a faithful people of God. This is how we do faith. I would even go so far as to say that if our generous acts are not a willingness to participate in God's work of justice and redemption in the world, then quite frankly, we're not being the church We have been called to care for the vulnerable among us in an authentic way. When I first started at Columbia Seminary several years, more than several years ago, I immediately made this friend named Mark, and we were put together in a group project. And and I remember we're sitting in this group project, and we're talking about how the church makes these decisions and what we would do in a church and all the things. And, And one of the girls was sharing her perspective, and I remember Mark said, well, that's because you came from a church focused on justice. See, I came from a church focused on evangelism and discipleship, and that's the difference. And I remember thinking, you don't get to choose. You don't get to choose if you're doing discipleship or evangelism or justice because all of these things, this is what God is calling us to be, that we would love Jesus in a way that certainly engages our own spiritual growth that we would invite others to know Jesus in a real and authentic way, but that we would also be about doing the work that, that we would partner with God to bring God's justice to the world. There's just no option there. And so I love, I love, love, love that this morning 
we are going to take that seriously. Then in just a minute, as, a, as an overflow of our very worship, that we are going to participate in God's work in the world. That this morning we're going to pack snacks for Sandy Springs Mission. That we're going to pack personal care bags for the moms in the Family Literacy Program for Friends of Refugees. That we're collecting backpacks and school supplies for saving hearts together. That we're putting together toiletry bags for men in the recovery shelter at the Community Assistance Center. It's a fantastic way for us to begin incorporating into our worship this idea of joining in God's work in the world to make a difference, to make an impact, to continue to work alongside the work God's doing to redeem God's people. But we're not going to leave it here. We're not just going to knock it out today and then go home. We're going to travel together this, this summer to Costa Rica. We would love for you to join us for that trip, for a mission trip, to, to join in God's work in Costa Rica. I would love for you to talk to Joe or read the newsletter or check the website out because there's so many ways for you and your family to continue to join with Kairos to do God's reconciliatory work in the world. I cannot wait as we enter into this new chapter. I cannot wait to continue worshiping with you. While we were singing today, I just kept thinking, I can't believe I get to be here every Sunday. I love worshiping with you. And I cannot wait to continue to do that. I'm excited to pray with you. I'm excited to study scripture with you. I'm excited to invite more people to come and see what's going on here, how, how God's at work here. But most of all, I know that this place, this community, is going to make such an impact on the world as we enter into this new chapter, that as we join with God's work in the world, that we will get to be part of the amazing things God's doing, and it's going to be phenomenal. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Holy God, indeed, we give you thanks for the opportunity, Lord, to be called to be part of your people, but then to be called to go out and, and to be part of your work in the world. So God, help us to be bold and humble and faithful in all that you lay on our hearts, that we would be faithful to that which you've called us to do. In your holy name we pray, amen. It's perfect then. This is the perfect time for us to gather around this table. Because here, around this table, we are reminded that in the midst of the brokenness of the world, in the midst of the places that are hard, that there is a God who loves us so much that assures us that the brokenness doesn't get to be the final word. That here, we, we have a God who will go all the way to the cross for us to ensure that, 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 that from the beginning, from the time that the world, that there was brokenness in the world, that from then on, every action is about God redeeming God's people and this world. And so with this bread and with this cup, we are reminded of that. But with this bread and with this cup, then, as you take the bread and take the cup, from now on, you are being called to go out then and to participate with God in that redeeming work in the world. And so let this be a a time of sustenance for us, a reminder for us, a call for us, that we leave here as people that have been called to make an impact. So as we gather around the table this morning, let's go to God in prayer. Let's pray. Holy God, we do give you thanks for this time, for this place to gather around this table. God, we pray that you would bless this bread and this cup, that you would set them aside from an ordinary to a sacred use, that here we would know you better, Lord, but that you would remind us that you know us even better. 
calling us to go in the world to be about doing your work in a powerful way. God, be present. In your holy name we pray. Amen.